There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the book of joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey there, welcome back. It's the Book of Joe podcast. It's the most interesting and unpredictable podcast in baseball out there. It's me, Tom Verducci, with Joe Madden, who's coming off. I don't know, Joe, I'm going to call this the Celebrity Golf Tour. How's it going for you? Actually, it's going pretty well. I just did uh, Bruce Arians yesterday, Joe Namath last week. Uh, did okay yesterday. I was getting off the tee well the rest of Irons, I got to get my irons back together, but I'm having a great time meeting a lot of wonderful people, so it's been kind of fun. That's awesome to hear. Well, we have a, kind of a serious topic this week. It's not golf. It's Major League Baseball's crackdown on sticky substances, and our guest probably knows too much about this. It's Scott Boris. He's the agent for Max Scherzer, among many great players in this game. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tom. Hi, Joe. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. 
I always want to be on your lineup card, that's for sure. <laughs> I miss our conversations. Uh, <laughs> I miss our conversations behind home plate at Anaheim and at Dodger Stadium. We always had a great time. Yeah. Uh, just filling in the blanks on different things. I was always getting educated back there, and I, and I do miss those moments. Well, it's been a lot of years, Joe. It's great to hear your voice again, no doubt. Thank you, sir. Well, I'm sure our fans know about what happened with Max Scherzer at Dodger Stadium last week. And I think this is an interesting topic, Joe, because we're dealing with a crackdown on sticky substances. And by nature of the enforcement, it's ambiguous as to what is allowed and what's not. Maybe not in terms of substances themselves, or maybe actually, yes. Um, So we want to dive into that. Um, so, Scott, we've talked about this. I, I want your opinion on where we stand now. And I know you mentioned that your pitchers are asking you what's allowed, which is kind of difficult when we don't have, let's call it the equivalent of a speed limit for pitchers. Give me state of enforcement of sticky substances. Well, first of all, Tom, you're talking about an MLB crackdown. I don't think there's an MLB crackdown. I think there's a one umpire crackdown. Uh, no other umpires have, have in any way approached Rule 602 and said, hey, uh, uh, we were going to take and um, for use of rosin and substance that are uh, allowed and sanctioned by the league. Um, we're not going to talk about whether or how the application of that substance um, is, uh, and what standard that is. And so, um, I've told a number of my clients, I said, look, you're, you're being asked to follow a speed limit and your car doesn't have a speedometer. You, you have a subjective measure applied to you every time you go out to the mound, because the term is, um, it can be tacky, but it can't be tacky tacky. And that uh, adjudication is made, apparently, uh, in Max's case, he threw in the third inning after examination, and he was fine. And then using the same substance, rosin, uh, he goes out, and it's now tacky tacky and he's then ejected from the game so how do you know what do you know there's no quantifiable standard for tackiness Um, it is really a subjective driven standard that does not provide notice to pitchers um, which in law due process you need notice so that you know what the quantifiable standards are. So if you're going to be penalized and not allowed to uh, assert your employment, um, you're going to need some sort of definite measurement and or clearance process before you approach the mound. Just to uh, to recap for our listeners, uh, our, our buddy Phil Cuzzy, who's been on this podcast, examined Max Scherzer after the second inning told him his fingers were sticky and he should wash them. So there's no ejection at that point. It's the equivalent of, you know, slow down in terms of <laughs> speed limits. He comes back for the third inning. His hand is clean, but Phil Cuzzy then says his glove is dirty and he needs to replace his glove. Again, no ejection. 
remains in the game. As Scott mentioned, when he comes out to the fourth inning before he threw a pitch in that inning, that is when he is, is, is ejected because they found, according to Dan Bolino, the stickiest hand they have seen in three years of, of enforcement. Joe, I'm going to put you in the position of Buck Showalter. How do you handle this? That's not easy, brother. I mean, you're, 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 I've been in it, uh, not with Max Scherzer, I've been in it with uh, Joel Peralta in Washington several years ago. Um, I kind of overreacted because <laughs> uh, it, was, it was actually precipitated by the other dugout. You know, the other dugout started uh, uh, chirping because of Joel, and Joel had just pitched there the year before. So I was upset about inside information uh, that was being utilized in order to get Joel in trouble in us. And um, so in, in today's game, I mean, it's not necessarily about anybody. Nobody called anybody out. And this was purely based on umpire discretion. And, and like uh, I agree with Scott in a lot of ways, the ambiguities of all this. And that's uh, the game is loaded with ambiguities and the umpires have to really um, make determinations constantly with what's going on. So for me, I, I mean, for Buck's perspective, um, there's a good chance I'd have gotten kicked out. There's a pretty, pretty good chance I might have gotten a little bit louder than Buck in that situation. That's just my normal reaction. Because, um, again, it's, it's like... It's, it's their opinion, and I know they've been charged with this making or presenting this opinion, but as a manager, I, I think I might have gotten a little bit more upset, not that it would have done any good. Uh, but again, just talking all this all the way through, this isn't going away. I mean, I don't even know if like more umpire is going to become more proactive with this now in an effort to support what had happened in this uh, particular instance or if there's going to be a mandate from the office itself. And so for me, it's always about what is the solution to all this because it's it's going to remain ambiguous. There's, there's nothing, uh, there's, a, there's nothing clear cut about this to the point where we've talked about this and Scott, and you probably know more than I do, but uh, the baseball that has built in tackiness to it already, where none of this other stuff is necessary. So uh, I don't know if this is going to lead to or push to like other conclusions or solutions, but it's going to remain ambiguous. And I, I would have been upset, quite frankly, I probably would have gotten kicked out. Yeah, I agree with you, Joe. It will happen again because we're talking about ambiguities here. Um, I, I don't, I don't like ambiguity in the game. That's what we have. But, but Scott, I think when you criticize, which is I'm doing for the ambiguity, you criticize kind of this this procedural um, effort by baseball. You better come up with a better solution. You know, criticizing is one thing, but I think you need something better if you're going to criticize. So do you have an idea of what baseball can do better to make sure the game is played on as level a playing field as we can have? Well, that's what they want. They want level playing fields. And when they draft rules, we cannot subject the stars of our game, the elite talents of our game, the audience itself, you can't draft a rule where the rules are generally provided where they're controlling the substances used. That's what this is about. Pitcher cannot apply a foreign substance to the ball. And when they have rules that say, okay, rosin, legal, uh, washing your hands with alcohol, there's no rule that prevents that. Um, all, all these things that we're talking about are really sanctioned substances that they're allowing a pitcher they provide it uh, their rules say nothing other than use rosin or they, they, there's no prescription that prevents any of this so when you allow something to uh, if it's a foreign substance rule 
and your your prescription for what the substances are is followed, then you shouldn't be invoking anything else. Now, if you want to rule as far as the adhesive quality of those substances, that's a different rule. And that and that rule has not been succinctly applied. And the thing that I've always objected to on a major league field, I've got men who are trained so diligently throughout their careers to run a game. And on the field, in front of the audience, they are sitting there making these players look like they are doing something wrong. Do it down in the hallway of the dugout. Have a MLB official there. Have someone who is really, really trained in this if you want to talk about adhesive measure. But the first process is not finding something wrong, but find something right. I go, I check the pitcher privately. The pitcher runs out and performs. That's what you do. And the reality of it is that nature of adhesive is then determined by an MLB official in private. I do not want our star athletes being subjected in front of their audience to some sort of review. And if there is objections to the review, I want it taken care of privately before he goes out there and performs. We want the focus to be on the art. We don't want the focus to be on whether or not the art is fraudulent or not. And that's what we've created by not appropriately drafting rules and standards that they want to enforce. This is not a level playing field issue. Why? Because we don't know what or the amount of adhesive that's allowed is allowed. Is it tacky or tacky tacky? And, you know, that's kind of what that umpire is left with. And it's not fair to the umpires and it's not fair to the players. But from the origins of this, whenever I go to a game and I see after every inning, I see some umpire coming over and dealing with players and touching their hands and doing these things, that's not baseball. And we have, we have allowed this to happen. And, and the reason these rules are not drafted the way they should be is because in collective bargaining, we're worried about 55 other things. We can't get to these rules when we're reaching a CBA because we're so busy doing a lot of the economic steps that it takes to find an agreement, and these things fall in the cracks. So as we approach these, what I think the call to this is, is that this event should realize that we need an immediate appraisal of the ambiguities, we need to understand what the purpose of the level playing field was, which was originally we don't want foreign substances applied to a baseball. Well, that's well said, Scott. Um, for our listeners, I think you need or it would help be helpful if you explain why Max Scherzer, obviously very adamant about the fact that he was not cheating, decided not to appeal. We saw how stridently he argued on the field in postgame. Uh, he did have the opportunity to file a grievance, take this to an arbitrator. Why don't you explain why that he did not take that step? Well, Tom, that's actually uh, the rules are not, you don't get to take this to an arbitrator. The grievance, when you file on the field rule violations, the process does not include someone independent. A commissioner's office employee always invokes the umpire's report 
always follows the umpire's report. Uh, there's a precedent for this. We don't have an independent arbitrator. We don't get a chance to talk about due process under the rules. Because all they do is that they have a, a, a non-legally educated arbitrator that is uh, very different than the uh, grievance process that we employ where there is a neutral arbitrator uh, in, in other matters of suspension uh, for uh, um, other areas of baseball rules. But in this case, th there is no independent tribunal. There is a pattern. They followed that exact pattern. We knew they would follow it. And the union um, lawyers are basically um, arguing to someone that is obviously biased towards the enforcement of rules by uh, the rule drafters and the commissioner's office. Uh, by the way, the 10-game uh, the suspension is grossly outdated. That's an automatic suspension upon being ejected. That's based off when the game pivoted on five-man rotations where guys were pitching every fifth day. Fifteen years ago, majority of starts were made on the fifth day, so it was intended to be a two-start suspension. We're in a game now where only only about a quarter of starts, less than 25% of starts are made on the fifth day. So Max Scherzer is losing one start, not two. That's just you know, bookkeeping, if you will, but essentially the the penalty for missing starts for a starting pitcher has declined 50% um, because of the way the game is played now. Um, is there a better way to make sure the pitchers are not gaining edges? Um, I'm going to ask Scott about this. Maybe there's something objective out there. When we get back, we'll tackle that issue. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Book of Joe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Book of Joe. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. 
Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Book of Joe podcast. Of course, it is based on our book, The Book of Joe. This is Tom Verducci joined by Joe Madden. We are speaking with Scott Boris, the agent for Max Scherzer. And our topic is sticky stuff. Max Scherzer suspended 10 games, ejected for having too much stickiness on his fingers. So, Scott, we've talked about kind of the ambiguity for umpires to determine what's legal, what's not. What about if we go to something that's more measurable? I think always when you're when you're talking about rules, what's the rule for? The, the first purpose of this rule is, again, to control the substances that players are allowed to use. So we've advanced it from before there was a laxity in this area, and now there's a specificity in this area. You can use rosin, but now we have a different set of circumstances to where the adhesiveness caused by sanctioned substances was by one umpire out of over 90 to 100 that have examined this over three years, the adhesiveness of that using that substance was brought into question. And and his subjective opinion was that it was too adhesive Yet the contemplation of the rule was about what substances we could use. And the idea of it is, is that in this case, which is rather interesting, the player was completely compliant. Max went in and washed his hands. He showed him his hands. There was nothing found on his hands other than rosin. He goes in and they said his hands had Mississippi mud on it from the from the baseball. His hands were too dark. The umpire uh, said, could you please clean your hands off? It's, it's not like he objected. He went in and did it. Did it with an astringent. It was perfectly legal to do. Cleaned off his hands, reapplied the rosin, comes out and pitches. Yeah, Scott, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. You're talking about alcohol, correct? And washing his hands. He's ordered to wash his hands and he uses alcohol to wash his hands. Yeah, because he's got to get the darkness off of his hands that the umpire requested for him to do. And you can't apply water when you're a pitcher because what does water do to the tissue of fingers? It softens it. 
And so consequently, you're you're left with you, and you also got to get the 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 mud and the and the rosin cakes on his hand. You've got to p- apply something to get that off in a rather immediate way. Because remember, the game is being held up, and so you've got this done. And then there's talk about alcohol and rosin creates a greater adhesive. Well, the rules do not prohibit the use of these things, and it's done in front of an MLB official. It is not the pitcher's problem that this combination is more or less adhesive because he does it because he's using substances that are designed and was directed to, to do by the umpire to clean this off. Then he goes out, shows him his hands, and he lets him pitch. And then the next inning, he uses, does the same process that he had done in the third inning, and he goes out for the fourth inning, and all of a sudden, that is adjudicated. Same process, same substances. In the third inning, agreed to perform. In the fourth inning, before he performs, you are now ejected because you've done the same process. How could a player know? There's no insinuation that he was using anything differently other than what was prescribed because that rock rosin can be extremely tacky. I was talking to Tommy uh, before we began this, and I know um, that you're aware of this too. So um, if, you're gonna, if you're going to accuse him of doing something like this, and I understand like dark hands, I mean, what, what does that have to do with anything anyway? Because if your hands get black, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to create more spin or do anything differently with the baseball. Because originally all this stuff, uh, you know, of course it's about spin on the baseball, but then uh, there was a big argument made also about control so that, that hitters would feel safer in the plate, at the plate, which have always, um, there's there's all these different uh, thoughts and ideas that are thrown out there that I've never really um, subscribed to. So, but at the end of the day, I think if, if you're going to say that it was tacky or, or tacky, tacky, whatever, then at some point you have to, like you're saying, um, what, what was it? What, what was different about this fella's hand other than uh, permitting it, using the permitted substances? Because I'm telling you, man, when I first got into that rock rosin and I was messing with it a little bit, um, just when you'd get that and just really uh, work it within your hands, you get real sticky. Your hands get extremely sticky just in and of itself. So um, that's the part, again, the ambiguities. We're talking about this. I know you guys are making great points with all of this, but you have to, if you're going to, if you're going to check somebody and be accusatory like that, what is it? What was it that was on his hand that that wasn't supposed to be there? That's that's what I'm curious about. Ten game suspension. I got to be more specific. Yeah, I think Joe. I, I think the problem here on MLB's side is that yes, rosin and sweat perfectly allowable. A- alcohol does introduce another element. Yeah, um, Tom, it, you're, it, you're it, suggesting when you say that that alcohol is subscribed in the rule as a foreign substance. It's no, not. no, no. Exactly. I, I think you're 100 percent right. Uh, my point would be that the umpire is making a judgment regardless of what substance is. I mean, I, I was used to a world where you got thrown out for foreign substances. Now. It's possible, we've seen it, to get thrown out with legal substances just because they're determining there's a level of stickiness. As far as the MLB official, just to clarify that, that's a game day compliance monitor. These are part-time seasonal employees that sit in a dugout essentially to prevent sign stealing, electronic devices, their eyes and ears. They have no authoritative power. They don't intervene. They're just basically there to make sure things are on the up and up. 
So he, yeah, he, that guy is there to witness things and report them. I don't know what kind of power he has to say, hey, this is kosher and this is not, but he's the eyes and ears. that They have these people in every ballpark, just clarifying that point. Go ahead, Scott. No, I'm just saying if, if there was use of any prohibited substance, that league official, in this case, Brian Anderson, I believe his name was because I checked, would be able to point that out. He would say, you're using some, you know, uh, a substance outside the nature of the rules. That's not the case here. And Max told the umpires what he was doing. Hey, I'll go clean my hands. Look, I look, I cleaned my hands with alcohol. I reapplied the rosin. Am I okay to pitch? They touch him. They say, fine, go throw the third. Now he does the same process and goes out there for the fourth. They touch him. No, 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 you're super tacky. You're tacky, tacky now. You're not just tacky, you're out. And so, look, the thing in law, when you draft rules and a person wants to perform in, in, in an employment environment, you have to provide that employee due notice, due process to his work. And he has to know in advance what is violated with the rules and what isn't. And so, look, we have all forms of tech. If you want to go in and say that, oh, his spin rate jumped by 300 or 400, that this tackiness caused this. All of a sudden you can say, nope, your spin rates are up above your norm. You're tacky. You're too tacky. You're going to have to go clean your hands because your spin rates are way up. But then you get into the idea of what is the norm for a pitcher, how you do it. And so when you draft rules, if you're going to draft rules for a purpose, we know that what substances they can use has now been limited. When someone asks you to wash your hands, you know that all substances that were on it were off. Then you reapply the substance in front of someone. You know what the substance is. You've had compliance with the foreign substance rule because you know that there's no foreign substance because you're seeing what they're applying on their hands. And then, you know, I know we had an issue with the Yankee pitcher where uh, Herman, the umpire, said to him, you can't apply Rosalind in the dugout. There is no rule that prevents that. Because now we have a time clock and you go out and you're going to go out and try to adjust the, the, the tackiness of what you have on your hands on the mound and then warm up. And the reality of it is that tackiness is important to a pitcher because it has to do with command and what he's going to do. And he wants to know he has that feel right before he goes out there. So we've got a, we've got a rule, a broadness of a rule that was designed for foreign substances. And yet now we have an application to the level of the legal substances. It's a different rule, it's a different process, and a different st a quantifiable standard needs to be um, studied. Or we can go back and use, go back to the baseball thing, because that's what players have been complaining about for years, is that our baseball, unlike the one in Japan, is doesn't have the appropriate adhesiveness to it. And that way we remove the idea that the pitcher can apply something exterior to the ball to his hand to create it. And from a hitter's perspective on cold days, windy days, when the ball's slick um, or uh, the pitcher doesn't have proper control, we don't want that injuring players either. So in this scenario, you can't draft rules unless contemplation of all of these dynamics are there because the reason you once you do this, you're violating the due process rights of the players. They have no notice of what they can't do. And so it, it, 
the, the rule is beyond the focus of what was originally intended, which was to limit the substances. And now when we create this, this throw-in about ambiguity, I see why if I'm an umpire, I see why I don't go near this. Because you know what? I don't want to be in a position when someone asks me, well, my touch tells me. I'm going to go back to my historical touch. I mean, doesn't it really? And you know, we we all know that Kuzi's a great umpire. I've been in the league for a long time, and he's a veteran. He knows how to run a game, but all and all the umpires do. But the fact of the matter is, when they go to say their touch test, they can't explain it. When you put men in that position for enforcement, you know, here I'm on the freeway. The standard is drive safe. Well, you weren't driving safely. Well, well, what do you mean by that, officer? Well, by in my opinion. After observing you, you weren't driving safely. Or he walks up to you and says, my odometer tells me, you know, my, my speed gun tells me you were going 65 and a 55. That is a rule of quantifiable standard that a driver can say, oh, I now understand what I'm doing. There's been a measurement. It's beyond. Rather than him saying you weren't driving safely. And that, that to me is where we're at. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that point. It's, you certainly, the Herman situation points out the ambiguity. One guy gets a pass, one guy is, is bounced for 10 games. It, something doesn't sit right with me with that. But you mentioned uh, objectable or things that we can measure, right? You mentioned spin rates. I got a problem with that, and I'll tell you why, and it, it relates to Max Scherzer. And a little bit of Joe Musgrove last year when his spin rate was up and the Mets decided to check him, it turned out there was nothing there. At least they found nothing. Max Scherzer's <clears throat> spin rate in the second inning was the highest in his last 143 games. He threw two pitches in that second inning that had the highest spin rate of his last more than 2,000 fastballs. Now, spin rate can vary. You have to give guys some some leeway. Um, Jake DeGrom's spin rate has gone up, but his velocity has gone up. Usually, the harder you throw, the more the spin rate's going to go up. I like to look at what's called the spin-to-velocity ratio, this SVR. And in that case, Max Scherzer's second-inning SVR was the highest it's been since June of 21 when the crackdown began. Now, you're looking at these numbers, but my point, Scott, is that you can't put entire faith in these numbers because what you're doing is you're risking discipline of players and just strictly on spin rates and, and SVRs when he might be clean. So there's no physical evidence if you're just going by these measurements. So you can look at these measurements and say, Max Scherzer's velocity was down in the second inning, but his spin rate was up to levels we have not seen in 143 starts. That can't be enough. I'm sorry. I, I need more physical evidence. I, I'm not. Look, I, I'm not suggesting that I have a solution. I'm just saying don't draft rules when you don't have the solution. And this is one of them. And the reality of it is that you're looking at, and by the way, Max spin rates in the third inning when he performed and got three batters out were right in line within, I don't know, 80. You know, when, you, when your spin rates are within 100 of one another, they're basically about the same. I don't know what the difference is you're talking about for one or two pitches in the second inning. But in the third inning when he performed and he was examined, his spin rates were the same. He retired all the hitters and he went out and performed. In the fourth inning before he even threw, 
They didn't say, oh, your spin rates are higher now in the fourth inning because he didn't throw in the fourth inning. They just this is not about spin rates. This is about them saying subjectively that tackiness was, in their opinion, different in the fourth inning before he threw uh, rather than the third inning before he threw. And so the idea of it is, is that we're not uh, when you're talking about a rule in foreign substances, the application of that that dynamic is that there's nothing in this game that Max Scherzer didn't do about anything that was placed on his hands that was not legally subscribed by the league. And that's the point. The fact that his spin rates are up or down or irregular, it's a hot day. It's a day game versus a night game. It's not, it's, it's 80 degrees instead of 70 degrees. All those things affect spin rates because your adherence to the ball and what they do. So I don't want to, suggest that the, I have some sort of solution. I'm giving you quantifiable measures. I said, if you want to test for foreign substances and get a spectrometer, uh, you can do those things. But whatever you want to do to apply a rule before you instigate that rule into the system and start incriminating players and suspending players, they need due process to know how that rule is to be applied. And now we it's clear from this event we have a rule in operation that is subjective. It doesn't provide due process, and any pitcher in the game cannot determine what is tacky versus objectionable tacky-tacky. And that's kind of where we're at. As to the solution of it, my advice is that you do not do it on the field. And my second ask is stop. No umpires other than one. Is, is taking this stance to invoke this subjective rule. And, and that is what the evidence is today. And why are not the other umpires doing that? What would be the reason? I don't think it's because they're not following the rules. I, don't, I think they're having issue with the very issue that we have, and they want to treat the players fairly in their application of the rules. Yeah, all great points, and that's why I think this is going to happen again, unfortunately. The ambiguity is not going away. I, I don't know what the answer is, Joe, but um, and I think Scott points out the fact that umpires in a very tough position, very tough. Um, so my question to you, Joe, is as a manager, what do you tell your pitchers? Hey, or, or what do you do going forward as a manager to make sure uh, you're in compliance with this? It, an ambiguous, you know, a rule that's not really that clear. Well, yeah, I mean, again, it's just uh, like we're talking about right now. You just go back stuff in the beginning. What is permitted and what is permitted is the, is the different uh, versions of the rosin. There's two versions, right? The rosin, the rock rosin, and there's like a more of a finely granulated rosin. And this is what you got. All right. And then I don't know. I mean, listen, if, if they if they want to walk around during spring training and, and demonstrate tacky and tacky, tacky, like <laughs> you want to walk through a clubhouse and have, and have like, uh, you know, umpires or other people walk around and demonstrate to these guys. Um, and of course, a lot of this is always going to be on the honor system, but I do like, I do like two things. Uh, I like uh, Scott's um, thought. And I actually had this thought when it first began to do all this um, inspection stuff away from the maddening crowd. Do not permit, your guys to stand on the field, have an umpire walk up to him like he's frisking him and have and go through these these gesticulations and deter, attempt to determine in front of everybody whether he's sticky or not. I'd, I'd rather, yes, absolutely, I'd rather see that away. And also, I'm always about 
you know, we're always in the, in the, the, the age we live in uh, specificity and, and, and actually people that are uh, trained to do certain things. And, you know, umpires, I mean, how they're trained in the, in, in the fact that sticky or not sticky, that's what they're trained in. But I don't understand why you can't apply something to that hand immediately and find out if there's something other than on that particular hand by this other officer official in the dugout. Of course, it's going to cost more money to do that. I get that. It's not my money. But these are the kind of things to be more exact that I think would be great and flashpoint. And I still don't understand why uh, it's taken so long other than maybe baseball manufacturers, why you can't get the ball with the built-in sticky or tackiness already with it. I don't, if it's already been done or being done in another league in another part of the world, what's the holdup? Uh, I know, I guess, I don't know if it's about the the way the ball travels. I, I don't know, you know what it's like when it's hit on the ground and it picks up uh, the, you know, dirt ball into dirt. I, I don't know where the impact comes from this, but why is that not more uh, logical and, and uh, more further along the way regarding coming to uh, uh, the United States and playing baseball here? So those are the two things, a, a ball that's got this already built in and or um, at least do this in a manner a little bit more, uh, I don't want to use the word casual, but away from so that if there's anything uh, that somebody feels is awry, that it could be fixed before guys actually run out on the field and, and attempt to perform. I agree with that. Well, amen to the tackier leather baseball, Joe. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. B- baseball, MLB has been talking about this literally for the six years, and they actually bought the Rawlings company in 2018. They own the company that provides <laughs> this ball that we're talking about. There was a study done over in Japan that found that MLB ball is 20% slicker than the ball that's used in Japan. Why can't we get there? I mean, we're not reinventing or we're not inventing something from scratch. We have something out there that works um, that that should be fast-tracked. Does it not carry as far? Is there, is there something about the carry of this ball? Well, the ball itself is slightly smaller and slightly lighter than the MLB ball. So well, there are concern. differences. But you can't tell me with all the technology we already have in this game that we can't solve that problem of having a baseball that that is too slick. Right. Well, let's face it; that's that's the the reality of it. the baseball is too slick. Yeah, if you could get if you could take um, this away from the umpires having to, you know, subjectively just try to determine what's tacky or not tacky. I think that whatever you could possibly do to get to that point is the right thing to do. There's no question. And if you can't get there relatively quick, take it off the field. And if you have to hire people within a dugout to do these things, I would do that and get it away from uh, this obvious uh, uh, shakedown as you're walking off the field. Shakedown Street. I like that, Joe. Yeah, that's one of my favorites by uh, Grateful Dead, by the way. One of my favorite songs. And I think it's important to note, Tom, that Max Scherzer never performed in a game where, the remember, the umpires before he performed in the third inning, he performed after checking and they adjudicated him to reach the standards requested. And he threw in the game and got three hitters out and walked out. He went out to perform again. He wasn't, when we use the term, the player was violating a rule or doing something is that in the performance of a game? No, before he performed, before he performed, they ruled that his hands were too adhesive. And so this was not in the performance of a game. 
This was pre-performance that they made this ruling. So when people talk about what did Max Scherzer do or not do in a game, Max Scherzer in the third inning threw under the uh, approval of the umpires where it said, go throw and throw your inning after examination. He had he did not throw in a game uh, where he was using a substance or his hands were too tacky and then threw. So I think he's getting suspended, not for performance in a game with objectionable tackiness. He's getting suspended for prior to performance in the judgment of the of the umpire to be too tacky. And there's a difference there about what that suspension should be. Because now I have suspension for not performance in a game. I have suspension for application of Roslyn in a manner that they determined subjectively was not appropriate. It had nothing to do with his performance in the game. Yeah, that's an important distinction that, as you mentioned, he was examined before he threw it, actually did not throw a pitch in that fourth inning. It was a, a preemptive strike, if you will, by Dan Bellino and Phil Cuzzy. Apparently, that didn't matter, that there was such a level of stickiness to his fingers that they decided he would be ejected without throwing a pitch. Uh, Scott, I don't know if we've cleared up anything other than to point out that uh, pardon the pun. Baseball's in a sticky situation here and will continue. This this won't be the last time it happens, folks. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's it's an issue that's not going away. And to finish up, Scott, I'm not sure if you saw some comments from the commissioner, Rob Manford. He spoke at an event uh, with Associated Press sports editors. And I'll read you his quote. You can respond to this. Uh, players have been clearly told that combining rosin with another substance is not allowed. There are a variety, sunscreen, alcohol, whatever. Rosin that's out of the bag, that's on the mound, you can get that off your hand without alcohol. That's a red herring. I want to commend the umpires who made multiple attempts to de-escalate this. I don't think there's any confusion about combining stuff with rosin. That's the commissioner, Rob Manford, speaking to uh, Associated Press Sports Editors event. Well, I would like to see in the rule where Mr. Manford describes where the player told the umpire, was directed by the umpires to make his hands left, to clear off the darkness of his hands. He has to go into the dugout and, and comply with that request. The only way he can do that is how does he clean his hands and do it quickly so he doesn't hold up the game? And the answer is, in front of an MLB official, he was not told he can't use alcohol. There is no rule or notice that he can't use alcohol. He does it, goes out, and tells the umpire exactly what he did with no intent to in any way violate any subscribed rule. And there is no rule that says anything about the use of alcohol to cleanse a hand. It's not using as... It's not used in any way other than the direction of the umpire to clean his hands. And so the, the suggestion by the commissioner is that this application, this duality of rosin and alcohol is something that's subscribed in their rules. It's not. It's just the subjective opinion of the umpire that he is going to determine whether or not he finds that there's characteristics about the tackiness of the hand that he so finds 
passable. And by the way, after he did this and told the umpire that he did use the the alcohol and rosin to, uh, and reapplied it, the umpire found it to be, please go ahead and throw. So while he's saying that this is a something that is objectionable, apparently not to the umpire, and apparently not subscribed in the rule. So I find that all that testimony to be beyond what is written in the rules. It is subjective again. And again, it's pointing fingers at players. Pointing fingers at players for not having rules that are subscribed specifically. It's like a memo from the Astros is that you get it in September instead of getting it in the off season, so that you know what in the season to do or not do. And when we have enforcement mechanisms that are tardy and we don't have specific rules, you can't go back and determine that players are to be penalized when the rules are not drafted with specificity and notice. Well said. Well, Scott, this is, I think it's been educational. I'm not sure we've solved anything other than we've certainly pointed out what we know is going to be an ongoing issue in baseball. So um, one of the things I really respect about you is you're more than just a great advocate for your clients. Uh, You respect the game and I know you want to do what's best for baseball. That's with a small B, not necessarily MLB. And hopefully we can have you back on again another time where we talk about some of these on-field playing issues besides the controversies controversies of sticky substances. So really, really, we appreciate your time. I, I think the integrity of our team game, Tom, and when I heard Joe say, what would his reaction be? I've got a, I've got a man who's been in baseball his whole life, has been a, a great manager at, uh, you know, for multiple years. He'd say, I'd get thrown out. And why would he say that? And the answer is, that he's not going to let subjectivity affect his team and his players. And when we don't have specificity, even a veteran major league manor, manager is perplexed by judgments that he knows are going to vary and he can't quantify them himself. So this has not only to do with players, it has to do with men who know how to uh, run a team and know the impact on the game and such. And for me, that's why. And I thanks for the forum, Tom, but I, I just think that this is a process that that clearly is based on Joe's evaluation is also something that needs specificity. And if not, it can't be enforced. Oh, Scotty, thank you for all that. I appreciate it. But yeah, it's uh, I think one of the, the, the main duties of a major league manager is to protect. And, uh, you know, you'll know when maybe your guy's wrong and you'll know. Uh, when you need to stand down and uh, let whatever it is take its course. But then there's other times you know that you can't uh, stand down and you cannot permit um, what you think is um, uh, kind of an unjust moment. And like you said, when it's, when it's based on subjectivity without, without any kind of real definition, eh, that's, that's where I would probably get a little bit unglued. <laughs> I don't know if that's even a, the appropriate way to put it too, but yeah, I, 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 I get it. I get it. Um, and I agree with you. And I appreciate your, your comments to me. But that's true. You, you're As a major league manager, you're, you're there to protect your, your brood all the time. And again, I'll say it one more time. You'll know when it's appropriate to, to stand down and other times when it's not. Well, I hope in the future, Tom, we're discussing about Hall of Fame admission and the importance of defense. Exactly. I look forward to that, Scott. <laughs> With Keith Hernandez and Andrew Jones, I've got a lot to talk about. 
I'm all about defense. When I was with the Rays, I got together with Rawlings, and in order to really emphasize defense with the Rays, I got them to give me a gold glove just to put in the clubhouse, just so the guys walk by it every day. I think it's the most prestigious award uh, in all of baseball to receive a gold glove. Actually, we on a wall there in Port Charlotte at uh, the half field where guys went for extra ground balls all the time. I had our gold glove winners' names put on the wall with the gold glove next to their name. Um, that's the one I want all my guys to aspire to. I want all my regular position players. I want you to go into the season thinking that I'm going to win a gold glove. And if you do that, I promise your team's going to be pretty successful. No doubt. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate great. it. It's, uh, it's really helpful. Oh, I appreciate it, Tom. Joe, always great to see you. I hope I can see you soon. You too, buddy. Say hi to everybody for me, please. I, I will. Take care. Thanks so much, Scott. And we'll be back in a minute. We will wrap up this edition, this sticky version of the Book of Joe podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the line. 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. Joe was fascinating listening to Scott. He illuminates a lot of issues with the enforcement problem in Major League Baseball. They don't think they have a problem. I, I think it's it is, but I'm not sure anything can be done about it. But you brought up and talked about as as well as you can the manager's point of view. I think that's fascinating as well. I had some people say, why wasn't Buck Showalter out there arguing more, more vociferously? when his pitcher gets ejected. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we're all different. Uh, he, he was, uh, Buck just read it differently in that moment. He might, he might've been privy to something. Maybe it had taken so long. Maybe the umpires have been speaking with them in between innings. I don't know. There's, there's different reasons. Again, from my perspective, uh, if I don't, and as a manager, you, there are rules, there's rules, there's rules of the game. And there's certain times I've not always thought they were thought, uh, all the way through well, and I would not, agree with them. And so then I would still fight in that regard, even though I know I'm going to lose. So, uh, but again, protect your brood at all times. I was always about that. And then, like I said, in this situation, there is so many ambiguities with this. And I, listen, Phil Cuzzy was just on our show. I'm a big Phil fan. And Danny Bellino, Danny and I talked all the time. I even met his family. I, these are really good guys. They're, you know, straightforward up and up and outstanding at what they do so i'd have to like get kicked out by you know when you, when you really like umpires you uh, you've spoken to them been around them a long time you don't want to argue with them but this is a situation that maybe sometimes you have to so yeah i think it's going to happen again um i think uh, by the fact that these guys did call out max it's going to possibly uh embolden other umpires to do something like that for instance, there's even umpires, I would argue that uh, when it comes to calling a balk, there's always been certain umpires that will call a balk and guys that will not. And to me, it was always about some guys can see it and some guys cannot. And that's 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 part of their skill set. Some are better ball strike umpires than others. Everybody's different. And it's hard to, uh, without being critical, to, to talk about that publicly in a sense that who's better at one thing than another, but it just happens to be a fact and true. So all this stuff is going to continue. And until uh, maybe some another method comes along that's more specific or exact, I think it's going to accelerate a little bit. Well, Joe, I'm hoping you have something to take us out here to end this edition of the Book of Joe podcast. And I was really hoping maybe you ventured into 1971, <laughs> Mick and the Boys, Sticky Fingers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right? Why didn't I do that? Can't you Why hear me knocking? Go there. Wow. <laughs> I'd write, oh, my God, so good. You know, he's 79 years old right now, which amazing, means I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to be managing for another 10 years, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but I went with Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and it's, I think it is apropos. It is common sense to take a method and try it. If it fails, admit it frankly and try another. But above all, try something. I think it applies. I think it sticks. Definitely <laughs> applies. Yeah. There's no shame in making mistakes. Baseball is a game built on mistakes. That's just another word for perseverance, right? I do it all the time. That is make mistakes. Love it. We'll see you next time, Joe. All right, brother. Be well. Talk to you later. Bye.
The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.